Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 12. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks again, Aaliyah. It's awesome. All right. Good morning. You guys, Happy New Year. First Sunday gathering back together. If you're new or visiting, I didn't introduce myself before. My name's Evan, and my wife Sandy, right back there, back in center, right there. My wife Sandy and I have the honor of leading this church. Welcome to Park Hill. And uh, this is, like I said, our first gathering of the year all together. Last Sunday was what? Justice Sunday. How many of you guys were able to participate? A good number. Yeah, I see see some halfway hands. Be proud. We scattered all across San Diego last Sunday. We broke off into four different spots and we took communion and worshiped God in four different places and then then started serving the most vulnerable people in 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 our county. And I love seeing all the photos and the staff thread from everything you guys were doing last Sunday. Here's some of the photos on the screen. So this was from, there's Tanika, there she is. So. We're bagging up all kinds of essential items for people experiencing homelessness. We, we bagged up tons of stuff through San Diego Rescue Mission. You, you showed up to, to worship and to serve. Well done. And then the next one, this is another thing women, a bunch of women did, which is um, they created really a meal and a worship experience in a safe house for women that are survivors from being sex trafficked. And so they, they, they minister, there's the women, the team of women that ministered to the survivors. is beautiful, through Generate Hope. And then here is a ton of, a ton of you showed up, way more than necessary showed up, <laughs> to, to serve like the smallest and some of the most vulnerable humans in our county, kids from the foster system. The foster families dropped off their foster kids right here in our building for some New Year's Day respite. And we cared for the kids while their parents were able to just kind of hit the town and enjoy one another. And so that was, that was wonderful. And then finally, the fourth thing, there's Drew. Drew's, 
Drew needs to wipe his glasses of the rain. Um, so Drew led a walk for water in the water, <laughs> um, so in the rain. But the walk was to raise money to build a well in Africa for a thirsty community in need. And you guys, those are just the brave poncho-wearing souls who came to the hike. Plenty more signed up for this but didn't come because it was a hike up to the top of Iron Mountain and back in the rain, which sounds awesome to me. Um, I love that stuff. But a, a whole group of you gave to this, and with a matching donor, we were able to raise $4,000 to build one well from just this day. So... So I did, great job, you guys. Thanks for showing up. This was Justice Sunday. We hope to do that. We hope to do something like that every year at the turn of the new year. Um, worship service, not just a worship gathering, but an actual worship serving. Um, so yeah, very good. Now today, we're back. Sunday morning, back together after Christmas and New Year's. And today's a bit different for a Sunday. We usually have first Sunday baptisms and then a worship night. We don't have that this month. We're going to do that next month. On the day we go to three gatherings, by the way, we're going to do a worship night. It's going to be long for the staff, but we're going to get used to it because we believe God's leading us into it. So, so to me, Sunday mornings are a place where the word of God should be preached. We sort of reset our souls around singing and the bread and the cup. And when we all show up for this in a room, there needs to be space for it all to breathe and let the spirit of God do what he wants to do. So there's things we have planned for the new year, and we're going to talk about them at the end of this talk. But instead of jumping straight into it, I feel like we should settle in. What are we doing here? What is God saying to us? Why are we even a church? So before we talk about even the new series next week, today is a very simple message from a really old passage of Scripture that actually Jesus read. It's amazing when you come to some Old Testament passages and you think Jesus read this and then you come to certain verses that are like crucial Old Testament texts and you're like, Jesus prayed this daily most likely because, and this is one of those. This is, a, this is a, what we're gonna look at today is a passage that shaped Jesus' self-identity. It's very amazing to think about. So before we start, I just, want to, I just want to begin with silence. We're going to begin with prayer now. So if you can, we're just going to be still. So if you can, place your feet firmly on the ground, just the soles of your feet on the ground. Maybe open up your hands to God. Not that God is up, but we, in, as, as human bodies on planet Earth, we open ourselves upward just to speak to our own soul, to be open to what God wants. And just take a few moments to breathe, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to be silent for a bit. And this isn't some weird mystical practice that gets us out of our bodies. This is to be even more in our bodies that God so loves and to think on his truth. So let's invite the Spirit to search us and know us. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord. And before we be totally still, I want you to think about Proverbs 29, 18. That verse that says, without revelation, people cast off restraint. Or as Eugene Peterson paraphrases it, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. 
But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. So Lord, we attend to you. Without a collective vision for what you want to do here, God, without a vision for this church that's rooted in scripture and animated by the spirit, then we're wasting our time. So now for the next 30 seconds, in your own words, would you just pray something like, God, give me a vision for my individual life that honors you and give us a vision for our collective church continually that honors you. Let's just be still. Heavenly Father, our gracious creator, thank you for sending your son Jesus to embody your love for the world and for us as your kids. And then, and then you gave us your spirit to empower us to live like Jesus, thank you. Speak to our hearts, unfold your desires for our lives, we're open. We're waiting. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, hard pivot. Over the holiday season, my wife Sandy bought me some jeans. Okay? So, classic sermon intro, a little funny moment, right? So, so not, just, not just any jeans. These are the big, like, puffy painter workwear jeans that everybody's wearing now that they wore in the 90s and should be out of style and not come back. So... I guess, they're, they're, I guess they're back. But so for me, though, I'm wearing these jeans. I, I tried them on, and I just can't do this. Do you, know, you know the jeans I'm talking about? Maybe some of you are wearing them. They're like, they're just they're painter jeans or whatever. I, I, it just sends me back to high school, sweaty palms. I'm in algebra class. and just came back from Old Navy with my mom or something. Um, so I'll, I'll occasionally wear these, these blimp jeans around the house, and maybe I'll wear them to a casual meeting or a walk around the neighborhood with someone with a cup of coffee, but I just can't bring myself to like officially wear them. You know what I mean? So when I do wear them around the house though, my oldest son, Gavin, who's 20, he'll turn 21 next Sunday, by the way. Gavin, I wear these around the house. He's like, hey, cool pants, dad. I think he knows I don't like them. He keeps saying that. It's like, those are cool, dad. And so there's this tension. There's this, there's this tension I'm in at this moment. I can't do it. Um, but I guess that's when you're officially not at all young. I won't say the O word, old. But this is when you're not young at all. When like your high school fad goes out fully for decades and is fully back in and you can't believe it no matter what the kids say. That's, that's the oldness. And, and so that's me with my pants right now. So here's, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. There are things that were once things in life that are no longer things, right? They shouldn't be, like these pants. And the word for this, thank you. There's a word for this. What's the word for this? It's a fad, right? Fads. So uh, there are fad phrases. You can think of a fad phrase. No one says boom shakalaka anymore. Fad toys, fad hairstyles, 
There's a fad everything. Things that were once popular, but they were short-lived because they didn't have any qualitative staying power. It's not valuable to anyone anymore, right? Now, there's a sense in which what we do as a church can never be a fad. There's a sense. What we do here can never be a fad because the church of Jesus Christ is eternal. In Jesus' own words, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, won't even overcome it. But there's another sense where all kinds of churches can be very susceptible to fads because the church is made of people. And people love the latest, coolest pop thing. Western Christians have been groomed to consume, to use something for a while just to discard it for the new shiny thing when we're done with the other thing. Churches can do this. Even following Jesus can, is, even following Jesus isn't immune to becoming faddish at some level. I say all this because today is our first Sunday of 2023 and many of us are instinctively looking toward the new. The new, the new year, the new vision, the new website, the new journals, the new. And we're wanting to know how to move forward for ourselves as individuals in our work. What's the new mission statement? What's a new project, degree program, maybe a new relationship? So as individuals, we're looking for the new, but we're also looking forward as a church, as, as a collective. We're not just individuals here. We're also a collective. We're a family, spiritually. Uh, Paul calls us Adelphoi, brothers and sisters, is who we are. And as disciples of Jesus, we are looking toward the new, new knowledge of the scriptures and learning how the kingdom of God confronts popular idols today. So whatever this year, 2023, and even 2024 holds, we want to hit it. We want to we meet it well by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to know what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus today, which is why it's critical that we come to this ancient prayer. It's critical that we repeat and remember who we are and what we're doing and we do it using the verses that Jesus used to repeat and pray to remind himself of who he is and what he's doing. This is the text we're looking at. And why do we do this? Well, both to guard against the fad mentality when it comes to Jesus, because he's not a fad. And then the second, the reason why we do this, in, in the words from Eugene Peterson, it's so we don't stumble all over ourselves. I want to hear from God, not, our, not just ourselves. I want to hear from God. And so to do this, we repeat and remember what God wants us to repeat and remember. So we look at the very same Bible verses Jesus would repeat and remember. All his years growing up as a little, little Israelite boy under Mary's authority and under his father's authority. So we already read the verses. Here they are again. Here's what Jesus read. This was home Bible study worship for 3,000 years in ancient Israel. These are the commands, decrees, laws the Lord God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. Notice there's a new thing coming. There's a new thing on the horizon, and, and I want you to greet the new thing in a certain way, not just in whatever way you want to. There's a way I want you to move forward. So here's the way. 
Um, well, first, here's why. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees, commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy a long life, flourishing life. This is God's goal for you. Truly, flourishing in his, by his definition is his goal for you. And so here, Israel, my people, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. That's like all the good stuff. I don't know if you're vegan, but uh, land flowing with milk. To them, that was like, that was everything. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. So, okay, what's the command? What do we have to repeat? Here's what it is. Verse four and five. Here, can we all do this together? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. One of the oldest prayers in the Jewish tradition. Um, Historian Yaroslav Pelikan, he calls this the first creed of God's people. The first thing that God's people would speak regularly to identify themselves and God in reality by. And that's what Jesus did. Does anyone know the word for this prayer? The Shema. That's good. Some, some, you know enough Hebrew to be dangerous out there. That's good. Shema, which is the Hebrew word for what? It just means listen. But in Hebrew, it also means English, obey. Same side coin, two sides, same coin. Listen and obey are synonyms in Hebrew. They don't have a word for obey other than listen. So to listen is to respond. So you, you repeat this because you're saying, God, I'm listening and I'm gonna have my whole life and mind and heart formed after you, not me, just you. I will be formed by you, not vice versa. I don't make up God in my head. I might try to picture God sometimes, but I know that's never gonna be the real one. God, you are the real one. And you tell me how to be. I don't tell you how to be. And so, and so this, is, this is what Jesus did. And so this is what we do. It's one of the greatest calls to obedience in the Bible, in the history of humanity. It is a call to love. Who? Love the Lord your God, right? That's, what, that's, that's the baseline. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God. And so love, love is a, that's a popular word. People like love. Right today, love is a great word. Um, in the Bible, love is never just an emotion you feel, though. We think of love, we think of wanting something or having great feelings for something. Um, but in the Bible, love is, is, not, is not just a romantic attraction to someone. In the mind of Jesus, in the mind of the Bible, to love someone is to elevate their value at the expense of your comforts. It's always what it means. To love the Lord is to elevate. So to love God means to place his honor and his reputation and his wisdom above my own wisdom and to trust that he knows how to guide me to be human in ways that I simply can't come to on my own. This is loving God. So can I ask you, how are you loving God? How are you placing his honor, reputation, and wisdom? How are you trusting that he knows how to be human even better than you do. This is what it means to love God. This is what we're talking about when we talk about loving God. 
It's not just a feeling we get during an emotional worship service. Like, I love great songs. I love when Drew stomps on the little kick drum box and it, it makes my hands go up or whatever. Like the endorphins, the emotions, you know. And I, I want to say, don't hate on endorphins. They're like real parts of you that God made. They're chemicals that he made that he loves seeing flow through you. So, so we know, we, but we know that endorphins aren't enough. He loves you and he loves that emotional rise you have when you sing with people. He made you to enjoy that and to experience mental health from actually singing with people that you love. Um, but don't confuse that with loving God all the time. Loving God is more than that. This ancient prayer breaks down what loving God looks like in three ways, with all your heart, soul, and strength, right? So let's, let's think about this, because we, I think we get these, def- we assume these definitions, and I don't think we get it right all the time because of where we're at culturally. So here's the first one. We're loved to, called to love God how? With all of our what? Heart. But, but we think heart, we think, oh, my affection, oh, I have my feelings. But in the Bible, heart is always in context. It's always talking about your center, your, your thought center, your, your will, your thinking, really. Mind and heart are synonyms. The, the throne of your thought life. And so it's not just your feelings. It's your sense of purpose. It's your thoughts. And then number two, we call to love God with all of our what? Soul, right? And, and for us, we think of Pixar. Pixar movie, soul, right? It's an it's invisible, glowing, glowing thing that's far away from you. But it's you. It's separate from your body. And it can go in a different body or whatever. That is not remotely, it's like the, it's the opposite of a biblical soul. In the Bible, a soul is indistinguishable from yourself, your body, your embodiedness. You, in, in other words, really, you can read the word soul in, in, the, in the Old Testament and you can just fill it with body. Love the Lord with all your body. And, um, I had an anthropology professor who, who would say, we humans, we are embodied souls and ensouled bodies equally. We are bodies. And so if you notice in the aviation industry, they still speak in terms of souls on board, right? And that goes back way before they even have record of when people started talking about souls on board, and it probably goes back to this time. A soul is a body. And so what does it mean then to love the Lord with your whole soul body? embodiedness that's what this means and so number three with all of your strength heart soul and strength and strength we think of like I'm going to flex for God I'm going to try really hard to do really good Uh, but that's not again we got to get we got to let the Bible define Bible's words and in scripture the word for strength here is the same word as a lot of or very or much it's like an adverb. So like when God sees, God makes the world and he sees that it's what? Very good. He sees it's very good. It's ma'od good. It's strength good. It's very. So what does it mean to love the Lord with all of your very? This is the, this is the translation problem. <laughs> we don't have a noun for very. What's your veryness? But this is the idea. So Tim Mackey at the Bible Project, he sums it up like this. This is really... All your capacity or all your potential, your plans and dreams, the thing you think of when you think of succeeding, that thought, that plan 
is your capacity. Or maybe you look at your budget at the beginning of 2023. You look at your budget, you're like, I'm planning for this and that. Oh, you're now in strength territory. Capacity land. Um, my wife and I took a class yesterday where we had to like budget out our week of hours. How many hours in a week? We sleep a lot. <laughs> so like you see like 50 to 56 hours of sleep and you're like, whoa, a third of the pie is gone. 166 hours, a third of it's gone. What we're doing in that moment is dealing with our strength. It's our capacity. It's our, it's our create. One, I love the, I love creative potential. Love the Lord your God with all of your creative potential. So, so, yeah, this is, to love God with that is to pledge that in your allegiance to God too. So, all of this is coming to this point. So, a way to pray this ancient prayer for us today would be something like this. I paraphrased this last night. God in Christ, your God alone. You loved me rescued me and brought me into your family. So I willingly give you authority over all my thoughts, all my body, and all my creative potential. Why would I hold anything back from you? Thank you, Jesus. This is the reason we're here. This is why. So we can look to 2023 and everything we're gonna be and do as a church, but this is what it means to love Jesus. It's, it's when I say and live this prayer, Jesus, when it comes to my thoughts, my heart, my center, if there's anything I think that's out of alignment with your thinking, then God, I want you to like replace my thoughts with your own. That's loving God with your heart. Or your body, your soul. Jesus, when it comes to my body, my ensouled body, Everything I do with my hands, my feet, my sexual activity, my diet and exercise, eat and drink, rhythms of fasting and feasting, I choose to honor you with all of it, my whole self. Because like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. Therefore, I honor God with my soul, my body. That's what it means to love God with your soul. And then finally, Jesus, my strength, when it comes to my creative potential, all my career dreams, my degree program, I gotta get that, I gotta get that degree, I gotta do well on that test, or maybe where I plan to move, that potential plan to move, or all the money I currently have in my checking, that's part of my strength, that's part of my creative potential, isn't it? Very much so. Your money is a good tool to make, to fill the world with your creativity. That's great. This is your strength. Your money is part of your strength, biblically. And so, Lord, how, how, all, and even the debt, the deficit of strength, the debt that you carry. Lord, how do I honor you with all of this? How do I arrange my life in such a way that I'm loving you with all my strength? Or maybe you have dreams that are unfulfilled, like I just feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay, now you're in strength territory, capacity land. How do you love him with that sense of unfulfilled desire? What would that look like? Maybe it's to say, I realize that all of my creative potential came from you and it's gonna end up in you again, so I trust you today. Whatever that looks like, you, you and the Spirit have to figure out what that looks like because it's gonna be different for all of us. So according to the, the Shema, this cornerstone prayer that shaped Jesus, 
This is what we're supposed to mean when we say we're a Jesus-loving church. We say and we live, Jesus, all my thoughts, all my body, all my potential, it's all yours. And you guys, guess what happens when we pray this kind of prayer continually? Think about it. If, If you're praying consistently, God, I'll love you with all of my thoughts. How long can a spirit-filled follower of Jesus pray that while knowingly disagreeing with Jesus about something? You know, at some point, you're going to have to reconcile that dissonance. Oh, I'm actually not a follower of Jesus because I disagree with Jesus on that. That moment of truth is important. And then the response is important. I will repent and change and align with Jesus or I'll go my own way. This is the integrity that this prayer is meant to call out in every human being. That's the brilliance of repeating and remembering this prayer. And and it also gets right to the heart of how I even form my thinking, how you form your thinking. It gets right to the heart. You ever think about where you get your ideas? Not many of them are, what was that? It's like a phone up here. Um, Not many of our ideas are original, if any, right? Ideas have long generations behind them of other people's ideas. So how do we form our ideas? Who do we get them from? Who do you get yours from? So to pray, I'll love you with my thoughts, God, it's like, okay, whatever forms my thinking, what I read, watch, what I click on, what I subscribe to or listen to, even the conversations I inhabit through prayer, I'm saying, Jesus, I bring all of it under the authority and goodness of you, Jesus. And and I will absorb information and entertainment, which are good things in general. I will absorb info and entertainment with your honor and reputation and wisdom as my filter, my primary filter. And then I'm going to consult my community and the scriptures. Whenever my will and my values are confronted by your will and values, Jesus, then I will bend to yours. Not my will, but yours be done. This is loving God. How are you loving God? Because loving God with all my heart, my thought center, means doing everything I can to think God's thoughts after him. Which then, of course, affects your body and then spreads out into the world through your creative potential. It's all connected. This is the genius prayer of Jesus, you guys. In fact, this is how Jesus lived his last moments before the cross. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you're here and you're you're new to the Jesus story, maybe you've heard of his Gethsemane prayer in agony. The night before Jesus was crucified on the cross, he, he prayed alone, even though he asked for friends, he prayed alone, his friends fell asleep, uh, and he said, Father, if there is any other way. He was open to thinking differently, seemingly. If there's any other way, if there are any thoughts that I've missed in his humanity, if there's any thinking that I'm missing, I I like to think of Jesus praying that. If I'm missing anything, Father, then let this cup pass. Let this suffering pass. But where did he land? Where did Jesus land? Nevertheless, not my heart, not my will, 
but your heart, your thoughts be done. This is where Jesus begins. And then, and then it flows from there into his body. He gave up his body in obedience to be beaten and bloodied. Submission to the Father. He became a sacrifice of love for the world. So heart, soul, body. And then, and then what, 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 capacity, what creative potential was unleashed? Stinking new creation, you guys. Resurrection gave birth to new creation and reversed the curse forever, you guys. The kingdom potential. I will love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. The full strength of the kingdom was unleashed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You guys, and Jesus did all of that perfectly. He, because he did, then he can go to the Father and say, send your Holy Spirit so that all of them, all of my people can do the same thing I did. Now we can obey God. We can, we can pray, I will love the Lord with all my heart and live it. You can live it. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Notice two things there. Number one, Jesus occupies the role of God. From the Shema prayer, remember, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, love the Lord. Well, Jesus is saying, love me. Jesus is occupying the role of God here. And then the second thing, he doesn't leave us powerless. Right away, he says, love me by obeying me. And by the way, I will personally vouch for you by going to the throne of heaven and asking the Father to give you his personal power to enable you to love me by obeying me. You guys, we're covered. We're covered by the love of the Father, the blood of Christ, and the power of the Spirit. You're covered. First, God saves us by sheer grace when we just trust the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and then he calls us to love him, and then he offers us his presence, the Spirit, to give us his power to love him well. So the question is, you guys, here's the question. Will you love Jesus and be loved by him? Will you step into this love? Will you step into loving Jesus by full obedience? Full and, and even, Lord, if I don't know where I'm disobedient, show me so I can change. That heart of readiness to change, to honor and love God with your thought center, your embodiedness, and your capacity, your heart, soul, and strength. So Park Hill family, this is the driver. This is the main idea for 2023. This idea of loving God by thinking God's thoughts. And that's also how he loves us. We get to think like him. We get to benefit from his mind. So how do we do this? Of course, there's millions, millions of ways, even in this room, actually millions of ways you individually can love God with your mind and your creativity and all that. But as, as, not just as individuals, we're here as a church, right? We're here as a community. So I want to ask collectively, how do we love God? Um, because that's also the call in the Shema prayer. It's a call to shape a country. God is shaping Israel after this stuff. He's shaping a community. So as a community today, how can we love God, not just individually, which we're, we, 
We're very prone to thinking of ourselves as individuals in America. It's very easy to think of me in my private space, but this, this prayer invites us to think, think of ourselves differently, not to demote our individuality as, personal relation, as a personal relationship with God, but, but, to, but to elevate the collective, to elevate the communal, I need you, you need me, let's do this together, what does that look like? And so here's where it says this, look, look here's where it says this in the Shema, um, look what comes after the prayer, see verse four and five, Lord your God, Lord is one, love your God with heart, soul, strength, and then verse six, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Remember, your thought center. That doesn't happen by osmosis. You can't just say, I'm a Christian, so now my heart will be good or whatever. He does give you the power to live after him, and he does change your heart through the baptism of the Spirit and being born again and giving you a new heart instead of a heart of stone, but that doesn't mean everything you do from now on is perfect at all. There is work to be done in partnership with his new empowering presence when you become a Christian. And so, so we got to put this stuff on our hearts. What does that look like? Verse 7, educate your kids. That's what he says. This is, this is in the original Jesus prayer. Impress them on your kids. Talk about these God thoughts when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you commute with your iPod in your ears, when you're cooking, when you lie down, when you get up in the morning and night, look, tie them as symbols on your hands. Literally tie them to your face. Tie them to your face. We already do that with Instagram. Might as well do it with the Bible, right? We already tie our phones to our faces. So he's saying tie, tie the truths of God, the thoughts of God to your foreheads. And then verse 9, write them on the door frames of your houses, like visible, concrete reminders that when you turn a corner in your house, pop out at you. Um, and be careful that you do not forget. This is the whole reason. We tend to forget. We are spiritually, we have amnesia. We have a, all of us are prone to spiritual amnesia. We are forgetful beings. Um, we must be careful not to forget Jesus, why? So, so do not forget to love the one who gave everything to make you his family. So question is, how, how do we forget to love Jesus? How do, what does it look like when we forget God? As Christians, what does a, a Christian who forgets God act like? Maybe speak for yourself because it happens to me. When you forget God, what, what does that look like? Yeah, think, just think that through. There's the, the answer is there's a million answers. Look, flesh, flesh over the spirit. Yeah, the, the New Testament is very, very either or when it comes to the acts of the flesh and the acts of the spirit. And, and I love what Paul says in Galatians. The acts of the flesh, they're obvious, he says. He actually says that. It's, I think it's funny. Um, so there's a million ways. There's a million ways that we, for, we can forget Jesus. You know Why? Because there's a million ways we as modern Americans who happen to be Christians, we allow our thoughts to be formed less by the values of Jesus and more by American values or Western values. They're everywhere. We're being formed all the time. If you're not being intentionally formed by Jesus, I guarantee you you're being unintentionally formed by something that's not him. This is just what it means to be alive in a society. So, so if, if, what does that mean? It means if we're not super, like super intentional, 
then our anxiety response and cortisol levels will be shaped by Twitter instead of an ancient rabbi who commanded all his followers never to worry. How do you obey that command? You come across Matthew 6, it's like, do not worry. I command you not to worry. It's like, yeah, I don't even know how to begin obeying that. It's because, it's because I've been formed by, by modern society. And, and so in our culture of digital notifications and reminders, ironically, when it comes to God and ultimate reality, it's never been easier to forget. <laughs> Despite all our reminders and all our notifications buzzing, it's so easy to forget God, which is why just over a year ago, we, we introduced what we call our shared rule of life. So remember, we're talking about how do we love God as a community? This is a huge way. How do we love God as a community? There's millions of ways as individuals we can love God in our private lives, in our homes, in our relationships, but as a whole church. Now we're talking about vision and 2023 and the years to come. This is a huge target for our community, our shared rule of life. Rule comes from that word trellis, like in a vineyard. A vine needs a trellis to grow fruitful grapes. Jesus talks about a vine in John 15. We are the branches of Jesus, the vine. And a trellis gives the vines a fruitful way to grow. So our rule of life is basically a way we order our lives around Jesus's practices so that we become faithful and fruitful and obedient and become more like Jesus. These are a set of spiritual practices that we use throughout the week, throughout the month, and throughout the year. Even daily, there are daily aspects to this rule of life, like scripture reading and prayer. And we arrange everyday life to keep us connected to God and abiding in Jesus. Again, growing in Christ does not happen by osmosis, even though, yes, it happens by the power of the Spirit. It is a partnership. And through a rule of life, a whole church can partner collectively in loving God with our thought centers and our bodies and our capacities. So what does that look like? Well, as a church, we put our finger on eight spiritual practices that we believe are essential for following Jesus in a city like San Diego and beyond. And here they are. There's scripture and fasting, silence and solitude, Sabbath, hospitality, vocation, as opposed to just a career. Vocation is a kingdom thing. And generosity and community. So those eight things. And we did a whole series on these in fall of 2021 called Future Church. If you missed any part of the Future Church series, it was, it was a paradigm moment. Uh, for us as a church. I encourage you to go back and listen. And so our long-term, this is our long-term plan, really for the next coming years, is to slowly but surely build this out in tangible ways, very intentionally, through community guides and through podcasts and through community group discussions and through teaching series, and to get our whole church united around this rule of life. Why? So we do not forget Jesus with our bodies and minds and capacities. And we fully engage in loving God and being loved by him as a whole community. And so, so to that end, 2023 is a year of building out that first one. 
That first one on the list, scripture. We're gonna really build that practice into our DNA as a church here. Um, And so here's three ways we believe our church is called to love God through the practice of scripture this year. Are you ready? Now we're at the vision for the community part. So the first way is what what we call bread. You have the next slide. So bread. So how many of you guys have seen these journals here? Arielle's very proudly has seen them. Oh my goodness, she's very excited about this. So um, you guys doing good? So, so this is our first thing we've ever made. We've never like made a thing, and this is a thing. So it's a hardback journal. Park Hill Church is written on it, and bread, bread stands for, oh look, there's a picture of it that Drew took. Oh, there's another picture. So, so these, you know, here's what this is. We are going to immerse ourselves in the scriptures together as a church. These brand new journals go through the entire New Testament in the year. One year in the New Testament, and we've sold out of the pre-order. We ran 125. We weren't sure how many would sell out pre, and they basically all did. So by January 22nd, we'll have a ton more of these. Meanwhile, you guys, we have the PDF of this book available now on the website. So if these are $20, these journals. If you, don't, if you absolutely don't want to get the physical, we recommend you do because it feels so nice. But, but, if, but, if, but if you don't want it, you can get the PDF and follow through the New Testament with your church family. Uh, so there's, every week there's five days in a New Testament book, and then on Sabbath, on Saturday morning, it's a psalm. And then there's no reading on Sunday to give you plenty of room to be here. So, so Monday through Saturday and then worship. Monday through Saturday, worship all year long. This thing is set up so that every first week of every month, a different leader from our church will get on the podcast and lead you through each of these readings for the corresponding days. So if you don't know how to do bread, which is basically Lectio Divina, if you've heard of that way of reading the Bible, B-R-E-A-D, breathe, read, encounter, apply, Devote. It takes about 10 minutes, and it's really about breathing in the presence of God, finding one thing the Spirit might be emphasizing in the text, and basically saying, thank you, Jesus, for the power to live this out. Just living in the text, but not just alone. Through this tool, this journal, we're all doing it together. And so we're all wrestling through the same texts, maybe coming with the same questions. What about this? What about that? Bring it to your community. This is a year in the story of God, you guys. So um, if, you, if you aren't able to get a physical copy, again, go to the website, follow with the reading plan digitally until you can get a physical book. And our hope, you guys, is that through the Spirit and the Scriptures, as we've journeyed through praying the New Testament and the Psalms, we've developed a vibrant relationship as a community with the living God. And so, um, question, why are we focusing on the Bible this year? Why is it like hyper, why, why the hyper focus? Why, I like what Matt says, Matt personally, he answers this question with his kids when he makes his little boys read the Bible. Like, why do we read the Bible? He's like, why do we? And the answer he's trained them is because we're supposed to hear back. Sons, why do we read the Bible? And he's like, because we're supposed to hear back, hear back to God. And it's that idea of Shema, listening is obeying. Hearing is responding to God. It's the same. Listen, there's no one ear out, in one ear out the other in the Bible. There's nothing like that. That's why Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, then hear. He means obey. He doesn't just mean, doesn't just mean let noise enter your head. Respond with your life. So 
This is the point of the Shema prayer. Scripture is about the spirit, not just the letters on the page. It's less about getting facts into your mind and more about knowing this living God and praying and obeying his desires for your life. And so bread starts tomorrow morning. So, so tomorrow morning's podcast, I'll be right there going through Luke 1 because that's the first page. And you can follow with the 10-minute thing that I'm going to upload at 6 in the morning or whatever. And you follow along and you learn how to read the Bible uh, in this way. And then, and then here's a second way we're emphasizing Scripture this year. So, so next week, we begin the book of Colossians. Paul's letter to the church in Colossae starts next Sunday, January 15th. Why are we doing that? I'll give one reason, and it's from Colossians 1. It's this verse, it's like life verse material. He's, Colossians 1.28, he says, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's what we want to be, a, a church that's loving God, thought center, body, and capacity is a mature church. This is what we want to be. And then finally, the third way we're emphasizing scripture and God's thoughts this year, thinking his thoughts, is through what we call house of learning. House of learning. Oh, look at that. I didn't even see that slide. So you can put it on the back one. Put it on the slide before real quick. So house of learning, this, I, <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I've been wanting to do this for years. We've never really had the facilities or staff to do like, like, a, like a theology or Sunday school where we wrestle through tough topics in light of the Bible and have open dialogue and have clinics on how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with grief and loss alongside like how to deal with doubt and deconstruction and, and what inclusivity looks like in a kingdom church and like all of that. Like what does this look like to be the people of God in a time where every voice out there is telling you what to desire and what to think? How do we think like Jesus in an age where everybody's thoughts are everywhere? And, and this is the heart. Enter house of learning. Enter house of learning. How do we think and live like Jesus in 2023? Um, so so that, is, that is where we're going in, in 2023 with house of learning. It's a monthly space, just like it says. Every last Sunday of the month from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. So the last Sunday of every month is house of learning. Except for July and December, because we take those months off from extra stuff. But, but, so that's 10 seminars, you guys. We'll have teachers from within our church as well as some incredible guest teachers that have already agreed to come. I'll let you know who they are later. For January, you can do the next slide now. For, for this month, we have uh, Chris Nye, who's the author of A Captive Mind. And he's gonna be talking about everything I've been saying today. Like, like having a captive mind that's captive to every ideology out there versus having the mind of Christ in the midst of all the ideologies. What does that look like? Basically, how do we know we're not crazy people? <laughs> how do we know we're not going nuts in an age where it seems like people are, according to us in our perspective? How do we have the mind of Christ? And, and so this, this is what this, this month's House of Learning is about. It costs 20 bucks to register because it includes dinner and any print material and to offset the cost of speakers. So, um, that felt like announcements. I know this, because it is very concrete organizational vision. The point of all of this is everything we talked about from the Shema, God is shaping a community that loves him. 
He wants to get inside our thought life. He wants to get inside of our bodies and, and, sh- and tell us he loves our mind. He wants to tell you, I love your body. Jesus says, I love your body. I love your mind. I love everything. I love the, dr- the dreams in yours that I can affirm. I will affirm. God is for you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, the Lord is for the body and your body is for the Lord. So love him with your body. This is how we get there, you guys. This is how we get there as a community. And so at this point, I want to ask you, how are you loving and being loved by Jesus? Just to bring it back down to the individual. We talked about the community. Now we're going to come to communion, and I I want to talk just about you. How are you loving Jesus? How are you loving him? How are you experiencing his love for you? Is it through your times in scripture? Maybe your times are just rich and consistent and full of revelation and you're just experiencing his heart in ways you've never felt before. It's amazing. I praise God for that for you. Or let me ask this another way. Are there areas of your heart, your thoughts, that aren't aligned with God's thoughts? Are you loving God with your mind? Are there areas that are not aligned? An example, maybe it's a strong conviction you have. Maybe you have a strong opinion about politics or identity or your own independence or sex and gender or some other thing you really value and you're a person of values, which is good, a person who who is passionate about what they believe is right. God can use that. But what, what if Jesus' values might actually challenge your strong values? Would you want to know? What would it look like to let Jesus have his way with your values? What would that look like? Saying yes to that is loving him. Or maybe it's less about values and more about relationships. Maybe there's unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart in some way. You're holding it over that person in your heart. Like they're in your heart and you're like trying to hurt them in your heart with your bitterness. What would it look like to release that person to Jesus inside of you? Release that person to Jesus and let Jesus have his way both with your heart and with their heart because that's out of your control. So I say this about your heart because it's heart, soul, strength. So with the heart, what would it look like to bring maybe one, one aspect of your thoughts to Jesus today to move toward him with your whole self? Just one. It's overwhelming to think of all your things. What's one? Now think about your soul, your embodiedness, your body. Think about your body. Are there any areas of your embodied life that you haven't brought under Jesus' good authority? Think of your habits, hobbies, your eating or drinking habits, your work and play and Sabbath rhythms, your practice of sex, your practice of serving people who are in need or serving your church family. How are you loving God with your body or soul? Remember, there's not much difference there in the Bible. What's one aspect of your body that might be out of alignment with the goodness of Jesus, your embodied life? And what would it look like to bring that under his authority? And believe that he knows how to be human better than you do.
That's loving him. And then finally, think of your strength, your capacity, your creative potential, your dreams you have for yourself, maybe dreams for other people or your career or maybe some financial plans or building plan. Are there any areas of your creative potential that maybe it's never even occurred to you to surrender to Jesus? Like, what would that even look like? I don't know. What, what would it look like to bring those dreams and plans before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want to love you with this stuff, so, so show me how. Because not my will but yours be done. In Jesus' name, amen. What would it look like? Can we all stand together? And we're going to sing. We're going to come to the table. We have about 10 minutes left. And I just want to invite anyone to come forward for prayer in response to this. Maybe for you, it's literally receiving prayer. Like, I just want someone to pray for me because I need help. I, I want someone to pray that the Spirit helps me love God. Or maybe you're sensing, I don't even know if I'm loved by God. Let us pray for that because we're absolutely confident that he loves you and desires you to step into a loving relationship with him. If that's you, come forward. So to love God well or to be loved by God, you're questioning that. If that's you, come forward. To my right and left, both sides are people who would love to pray you into the love of God. Before we come to the communion table, let's sing a song and pray for each other. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Wash all of us with your presence and show us one area of our thought center, our embodiedness, and our capacities, our creative potential that we can surrender to you that we haven't. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. So we come to you. Feel free to come and receive prayer. <laughs>